Hello everyone, it's so good to be back with you. I trust you had a wonderful Easter just celebrating the goodness of God and the life of God, the new life that he's given us in Jesus Christ. Uh, we have been talking about the book of 1 John, the book of love, and this is the third part and I just encourage you if you haven't listened to part one and two, they're really important because we're kind of building, each each part is building on, on uh, the other one before it. And so it's really important to listen to part one and part two. So uh, today we're going to talk about what the book of 1 John says about Jesus Christ and about the Holy Spirit. And this is so important because as we learned in, in part one and part two, uh, the book of 1 John is addressing heresy in the church, false teaching, false prophets, and um, what we're going to learn about Jesus in 1 John, everything that uh, John says in 1 John is addressing the heresies and telling why Jesus isn't what the heretics say, but he is what, what Jesus Christ himself said and what the Word of God says. So the first thing we're going to talk about with uh, Jesus, what 1 John says about Jesus, is that Jesus was from the beginning. He is eternal. And the heretics were teaching that he just came down and and uh, came in Jesus's body when he was baptized and left his body when he was before he uh, died on the cross. But G, uh, John is saying that Jesus Christ is eternal. First John one, first John one, the very first sentence in first John says that, and I'm reading from the NLT, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So John is saying that Jesus Christ was from the beginning. He is eternal. He existed before any of us did, and he's going to uh, live eternally. We also see in this very verse that John calls Jesus the word of life. That's a very important term because Jesus is the word made flesh, and he also brings us life. So those are some really important things we learn just from the first sentence in 1 John about who Jesus is. He's eternal. He was from the very beginning, and he's the word of life. Then we see also that Jesus is the word made flesh, meaning he is incarnate. That's what incarnate means. We can look at 1 John 4, verse 2. And I'll give you a minute to get there. First John 4, verse 2. I'm going to have a sip of tea. First John 4, verse 2. It says, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. In other words, a, a teacher has the Spirit of God. If a person is claiming to be a prophet, acknowledge that, acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. So he's saying Jesus Christ came in a real body. Now, many of us might think, well, we all know that, we all believe that, but it was a it was a prevalent heresy in the church at that time, and people were really getting mixed up and confused. So John is saying Jesus Christ is the incarnate word of God. He came in a real body. Um, 1 John 4, verse 15, same chapter a little bit later, says, All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. So we see John is saying that Jesus is the Son of God. In 1 John 5, verse 1, 1 John 5, verse 1, it says, 
Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And here he's hooking up the, the, the body of Jesus with the deity of Christ and saying that they're, they're basically the same thing. And all of these things are opposing the heresy that was taught in the church at that time. So John is saying that Jesus Christ came in a real body. He's the son of God. He is the Christ. And he's just reemphasizing those things. The next thing that we learn in 1 John about Jesus is that Jesus, we thank God, is our Savior. In 1 John 1, verse 7, 1 John 1, verse 7, it says, But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So Jesus came to save us. He shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. So he is our savior and we're so thankful for that. In 1 John 3 verse 5, 1 John 3 verse 5, it says, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. So John is saying that Jesus Christ, there was no sin in him. He was perfect and he took away our sins. And this is a really bold statement because the false teachers were saying that sin really didn't exist. It really didn't matter. In our physical bodies, we could do whatever we wanted. We could indulge ourselves because the spirit being was the only thing that mattered. And, and John was saying it was important that we had a savior to take away our sins. We do sin. It's important to have a savior to take away our sins. And Jesus Christ was that savior. In 1 John 4, 14, it says, Furthermore, we have seen with our eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And this was so important because John was a firsthand witness. He was right there with Jesus, saw everything about Jesus, and he said that he, because he was there, he can testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And he's our Savior He's my savior and he's yours. So we found out that Jesus is the word made flesh, incarnate, that Jesus is our savior. And then the next thing is that Jesus' sacrifice atones for our sins. And what that means is that he did what was necessary to reconcile two parties. He did what was necessary to reconcile God with man. And in 1 John 4, verse 10, it says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and set his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So we find here that Jesus loved, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to take away our sins. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then in John 2, 2, it says, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. And this is really important, just as a side note, a lot of times we think that there might be somebody that's beyond help, beyond salvation, that is just too doggone bad for anybody to die for them, for Jesus uh, to, to take away their sins, for God to forgive them. But Jesus died for the sins, to take away the sins of the whole world, even the worst sinner, and uh, a great example of that is uh, the apostle Paul, who was once Saul, who was 
basically doing what would now be considered war crimes, genocide, uh, uh, imprisoning innocent people just because they were Jew, just because they believed in Jesus Christ. And, uh, God, uh, struck him down and gave him a good talking to. And Paul, who was Saul, Saul repented and became a Christian and a great soul winner. So there's nobody that has gone too far to be beyond the saving power of God. And the next thing is that through Jesus, we have eternal life, life everlasting, not eternal death, not eternal suffering, but eternal life. In 1 John 5, verse 11, 1 John 5, 11, it says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, who is Jesus Christ. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? So if we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have eternal life, and Jesus Christ purchased that for us. The next thing, isn't this wonderful? All these things that this small little book tells us about Jesus Christ. The next thing is that Jesus is our advocate. And that means, this is, uh, I'm taking this from Thayer's Greek lexicon, one who pleads another cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for the defense, legal assistant, an intercessor, Christ, in his exaltation at God's right hand, is pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. Isn't that awesome that we have that that uh, intercessor right at God's right hand making a case for us, for our forgiveness? And uh, I just think that that's wonderful. So in 1 John 2, 1 John 2, verse 1, it says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And this is so awesome because the, the church was being taught by these false prophets that they didn't sin, that, that there was no sin that they needed an advocate for anymore. Um, that, that their bodies, when their bodies went, went after its own lust, after its own pleasures, that it wasn't sin. So John is reiterating that Christians do sin. Christians can sin. We're not supposed to sin. It's not good to sin. But if we do sin, if we do mess up, Jesus Christ is right there, right next to the Father pleading our case. He's our advocate. Isn't that wonderful? And the last thing I'm going to talk about is that Jesus is coming back. Um, in 1 John 2.28, it says, And now, dear, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. So John is just saying that, you know, in a sentence, he is coming back for when he returns. You don't want to be looking like you're not courageous. You want to be full of courage and not be ashamed. So those are the things that, uh, for some of the things that First John tells us about Jesus. If you read First John now, you'll just read it in a different light. You can pick up all the, all the little things that John is saying about Jesus Christ that we just think are non-consequential or, or we already know that or just, but he is actually refuting prevalent heresy in the church. So these things take on a really new meaning. 
Now we're going to talk about what 1 John says about the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 John tells us that the Holy Spirit is a teacher and he leads us to the full realization about the truth concerning Jesus so that we can successfully oppose heretics. And so if you look at what it says about the Holy Spirit in this light, you'll understand some of the statements that John says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to help us uh, ward off heresy and false teaching. So let's go to 1 John 2, verse 20. It says, but you are not like that. And what he's saying is you're not like the false prophets. You're not like the heretics. You're not like the false teachers. You're not like the liars. He's saying you're not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. In other words, uh, they know what they've already been taught. They know what they've been taught from the beginning and the Holy Spirit uh, helps them with that. And some of the Bible translations use the word unction or anointing instead of the word spirit, but it, it just all means a special endowment by the Holy Spirit, helped by the Holy Spirit to know the truth. And, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of times, you know, people get swayed by people saying that the Holy Spirit revealed certain things to them. And um, they want to believe it so bad because they want to be led by the Holy Spirit. But sometimes people are more interested in what I would call spiritism than the actual Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is always going to take us back to the Word of God. The Word of God, the Word of God revealed, the Word of God. And not goofy things, far out things, crazy things. Um if if it uh if you if someone is trying to teach you something just just out of the swirl spectacular, you know you really have to understand is it just you know spiritism or is this the Holy Spirit and there's so many so many people out there that are saying the Holy Spirit told them this, the Holy Spirit told them that you know <clears throat> there's people that are calling themselves prophets that they prophesy every night, you know, on a show at, at seven o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever. And that's not the, how the Holy Spirit works. That's more a spiritism or the occult that, that tries to, you know, announce something that the Holy Spirit says every night at seven o'clock. And it's, it's always a different thing every night. <laughs> so we have to be really, uh, cautious about listening to people that say the Holy Spirit told them something. We always have to have our foundation on the word of God and have like blinders on a lot of times to all the, all the things that are flying around and the holy written word is not sensational in a worldly sense. It's sensational in that it's life transforming, but it's not, it's not something that is going to, uh, get a lot of trendy stuff that comes and goes. So we need to watch out for that. In 1 John 2.24, just a little bit, uh, a couple verses later, it says, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning, which is the resurrection and the incarnation. That's what they were taught from the beginning, and that's what the false prophets and the heresies in this particular time were teaching against. It says, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. 
And so then on to verse 26, it says, I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. So he's giving you the reasons he's talking in these verses, the way he's talking. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives in you. So he lives in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit living in us, relying on the things that we have been taught from the beginning, um, that the Holy Spirit helps us know the truth from error. So uh, it says, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the Holy Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And some people might think that this is saying we don't need teachers anymore because the Holy Spirit teaches us. But what it's saying is we don't need false teachers to teach us because up in verse 24, it says, um, remain faithful to what you have been taught. So somebody was teaching them and the teaching gift and the pastoral gift are part of the ministry gifts. They're important to have teachers, but you don't need false teachers. You don't need heretics that are taking you away from the word of God. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And then the Holy Spirit provides assurance of our salvation. In John 4, 1 John 4.13, 1 John 4.13, it says, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So we have proof. We have proof that God lives in us, and that is the Holy Spirit. And that is awesome. 1 John 3.24, 1 John 3.24 says, Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So because of our salvation, we are in fellowship with God and he's in fellowship with us. And I just find that so fascinating and so awesome. And it's wonderful to know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and he's there to help us and to just be with us as our friend and our helper. And then the Holy Spirit who lives in us is greater than the spirit of the world and greater than the spirit that promotes heresy. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. So he was saying the people that were the false teachers, the heretics, the liars, that they were no match no match for the Holy Spirit that lives inside the believers. So greater is he that is in you that he's in the world. That's an awesome thing. And then the last point is that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. In 1 John 5, verse 6, it says, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding of blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and they all agree. So the scripture is saying that the water, he was baptized in water. Jesus was baptized in water, and that testified about him. Uh, The shedding of blood on the cross testified about Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, who descended upon Jesus at his baptism, 
is also testifying about Jesus Christ, and they all three agree. So you can you see the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? That's just wonderful. So we're done for today. Next week, we're going to talk about love, God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for others. Uh, there's just over and over again, the book of 1 John talks about love and how important it is. So I invite you to come back next week and learn more about the book of 1 John. And if you've never experienced what we're talking about, about salvation, about fellowship with the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants you to experience that. He wants you to walk in eternal life. He wants you to have the joy of the Lord. He wants you to have fellowship with him. So uh, I just invite you to believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and just call on him for salvation. And he will come into you and he will make your life totally and completely different. So if you would like to do that, we have a link uh, below just giving you more information about becoming a Christian. And if you send us your address by email or text, we would uh, be glad to send you a Bible or any information about the new life in Jesus Christ. So we will see you next week. Bye-bye.